This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We've been talking about design for destiny. And in this, we're talking about God's will. It's source number one. There you go. Um, we're talking about God's will for our life. And, and, and many times I think we make God's will out to be this very difficult thing to find in our life. And, you know, it's amazing. You talk to people. I remember going back down to Dallas and seeing people who were still living on campus at Christ for the Nations years later. And I'd say, what are you doing? Well, I'm just, I'm just seeking God, brother. I'm just, I'm just waiting on God. And not doing anything with their life. And they're Bible school students, graduates of a Spearfield Bible school. And what are they doing? They're seeking God's will for years and years. And, well, you plugged into a church? Well, no, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. You doing anything? Well, no, just seeking God, brother, just seeking God. God's will is not supposed to be that difficult to get a hold of in our lives. And so we've talked about a couple different things. Um, we started off by talking about uh, the first week, talking about God designed us in his image. Why did he design us in his image? So that we could have fellowship with him. We, God loves us and we can return his love in ways that no other part of creation can. We can do things like, uh, like express our love to God through words. We can express our love to God through sacrifice. We can express our love to God through creative means. No other part of creation can do that. We talked about, secondly, that God planned your life before birth. God meticulously dreamed and meticulously thought and meticulously planned your life before you were ever even conceived. That's awesome. Heard one person excited about it. That's good. Number three, third thing I mentioned was true peace, joy, and fulfillment are only found in your purpose. You may find a lot of things in life that you're good at and that you enjoy, but you'll never be satisfied and fulfilled until you're doing what God's called you to do. And so then we went on last week. We're talking about how do I find God's will and I told you, number one, the most important thing is to surrender to God and pursue Him. The only way to have God's will in an area of your life is to submit that area of your life to Him. To put away your desires and your dreams for that and say, God, this is yours. And then He can do what He wants with it. Um, we talked about in Jeremiah 29, 12, and 13. He said, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So if we want to know God's will, the first thing we've got to do is submit to him. Because God's saying here, you will find me and you will find my will when you're ready to get serious about things. Things will never be right between us and God until he's included in every, every, will, every part of our life. And we've got to be able, willing to say, God, I want to know your will for your, my life and I will do whatever it is, whatever the cost. He'll show you his will real quickly. You'll find it. We talked about what does it mean to surrender. It means following God's lead without knowing where he's sending you, waiting for God's timing without knowing when it will come, expecting a miracle without knowing how God will provide, and trusting God's purpose without understanding the circumstances. That's awesome, isn't it? I saw several of y'all posted that on Facebook this week. The fastest route to God's plan for our life is to simply surrender and start seeking him. And the second thing I talked about in finding God's will is it's important that we examine what God has placed in our lives. And we talked about our gifts and talents. God placed those gifts and the talents in your life so that you could use them to fulfill his purpose. We talked about your passions. What is it that you get excited about? What stirs you up inside? What makes you angry? What, you know, these things that stir up emotions in you, what is that? Because that passion, that's part of the passion coming out in you that God placed to fulfill 
his purpose. What do other people say about you? I'm not talking about bad things. What good things do people say about you? What do they say, man, you're really good at that? How do they encourage you? What are the things they say? Sometimes other people can see things in us that we can't see in ourselves. And the last thing I started to talk about for a minute, and I'll talk about later, is, is dissatisfaction. But we'll, we'll talk about that a little further um, as we go along. But today, I'm going to talk for a few minutes about following God's will. So knowing God's will is actually a very small part in fulfilling God's will, isn't it? You know, many people, many people in the world cherish the Bible. There are many people who are not Christians that cherish the Bible. They think that is a great book. That is awesome. And there are so many non-believers out there who have read the Bible from cover to cover, but to them, it's not the Word of God. So it's powerless until they believe, right? If you don't believe what it says and do it, then what's the point? It's just paper made from a tree, right? So we have got to not only know God's will for our life, we've got to begin to follow God's will for our life. And so how do we do that? And say, well, I want to start. I'm, I'm, I'm trying every day to surrender more of my life to Jesus. I want to know God's will. I, I'm, I'm seeking him with all my heart what I do now. I'm going to give you four things. Number one is start small. And when I say this, actually, let me go ahead and read for you. You got the scripture. You should have notes that came in your service guide. You can follow along on that. You can follow along on the YouVersion app. You can follow along on the screen. But from Zechariah 4.10, and, and most of my scriptures there from the New Living Translation, it says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Now, if, if you've ever read about Zerubbabel, uh, he was actually with the, the children of Israel, the Jewish people, they're coming back from Babylonian captivity, and they are going to rebuild the temple, right? Now, I don't know if you've ever studied the temple, but this was going to be a big job, real big job. And so the Jewish people have come together, and, and they're assembling materials and a workforce and all these things, and they have this daunting task in front of them. How many of you can be kind of like me sometimes in that when you go to start doing something, a big project, whatever it may be, you get a little overwhelmed at, the, at, at how big this thing is. And you're going, where in the world do I start? And, and all of a sudden, you can feel real insignificant next to this big thing. And, and that's the way I imagine Zerubbabel here and what God is saying, because he's saying, um, don't despise these small beginnings. And it says, the Lord rejoiced to see the work begin to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. So basically, the work hadn't really begun. Zerubbabel's looking at it and going, look at this huge task. And he picks up the plumb line. Now, I don't know if any of you know what a plumb line is, but uh, usually it was some type of, of, of string with, with a weight on the end, and they would use it, they, they would measure depth with it, they could, they could use it as kind of like a level and different things like that. And so all that we see here is Zerubbabel had picked up the plumb line to get started, and it says, the Lord rejoiced to see the work begin. And all he had done was picked up the plumb line. It doesn't say any other work had started. How much of the temple had been completed at that point? Zero. But the Lord began rejoicing because he simply picked up the plumb line. That's awesome. You're not going to begin seeking God's will today and all of a sudden be a pastor of a megachurch tomorrow. It is not going to happen. You're not going to start seeking God today and all of a sudden have a big mission that feeds, you know, hundreds of homeless every day. You're not going to start seeking God today and all of a sudden be a multimillionaire businessman funding the kingdom. That makes sense? You start small. And I, 
I, I, I just, and a few things I want to mention in this, I, I, I want to mention number one, or A, I think I've got in your notes, begin following God's word. This really ties back into that surrender. But you want to know God's will for your life? It is in his word. Well, he doesn't, the details of my life aren't in his word. <laughs> Here's the deal. If, if really, if we just followed God's word, we would find ourselves in God's will. His will for your life is absolutely in his word. Maybe not the minute details, but you get into it and you're going to find them. And really, it's wrapped up in how we here at Church of the Harvest, we call the great commandment and the great, the great commandments and the great commission. Love God, love people, and serve the world, right? So everybody's looking around. It's out in the hallway. <laughs> we got to dig into God's word and begin filling his purpose. We talked about last week, his, our purpose is to glorify God. And in doing that, we'll be a blessing to others. In your notes, you'll see 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, talking about God's word. All scriptures inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. Boy, doesn't that make you want to shout hallelujah. Woo! Make me realize what's wrong with my life. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. We got to allow him through his word to change our hearts because here's the thing. We may not like that the scripture says that there. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. But the reality is, the more we allow God to change our heart, the more he can use us. And you know, let me read the next scripture. I'll get to that in a minute. Zechariah 13, 9 says, I will bring that group through the fire and make them pure. I will refine them like silver and purify them like gold. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. And I will say, these are my people and they will say, the Lord is our God. Have you ever looked into the refining of precious metals? How, you know, it comes, when, they're, when they're mining gold, it doesn't come out looking a whole lot like gold. It's just raw ore, right? And it's got all kinds of different metals mixed into it and, and dirt and mud and all kinds of nasty things, right? You wouldn't want to put that ring on your finger. But what do they do? They get it and they heat it up. They put the fire to it and they melt it down and they scoop the impurities because gold is, is, is more dense. And so other things come up to the surface and they scoop it off and they let it cool. And then what do they do? They put it back in there and heat it up again and more impurities come to the surface and they scoop it off and they let it cool. And then they put it back in there again and they put the fire to it and they heat it up. And now, I don't know if you've ever actually seen it, but I've seen it on TV. I've never actually been there. But little, little bits of it start coming to the surface. You just see little bits, and they scoop the little bits off. It's getting more and more pure along the way. And that's what we're seeing there. He said, I will bring them through the fire and make them pure. And that's really what it's about. And I get, God, that's what he does through his word. He brings the fire to areas of our heart, and he brings change to it. And the more we allow him to do that, the more he can use us. It makes us usable in his hand. I found this, I read, I think it was Charisma Magazine that put this up, but what does it want to be refined? They said two things. You've got to surrender to the process. The first step in surviving God's refining process is to cooperate with him rather than to resist him. As God starts to put a finger on different areas of your heart, it can burn. We may instinctively try to pull back and hang on to our old way of thinking, our old attitudes, our old motivations, but we have to let go, allowing him to do what he needs to do. And the second thing they said, we've got to acknowledge the need. The second step in surviving the process of, of refining is to see the need for cleansing. Impurities will rise to the surface. We will see behaviors and attitudes and character traits in ourselves that we don't even like. When the pressure is on, inappropriate responses from our weaknesses and our woundedness 
will become more visible. These may include bitterness, unforgiveness, fear, anger, and sinful desires that we know are displeasing to God. These have to come to the top so they can be skimmed off. That's God's word, sharpening the two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit. That's a big one. I heard a teaching on that the other day. How many of you were sure you heard from God about something one time and you realized it was your crazy emotions that got involved? God's word will, will come and it will divide that so that God's will is clear. Does that make sense? With this in mind, I just, I just got to thinking in this, there are probably people in this room that feel like you feel like God has called you to something. You felt like it maybe since you were young. You felt this calling, this draw in your life. And maybe it was some sort of ministry. But you found that it's been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And you find yourself in a job, just working a nine-to-five job now, just trying to keep your family afloat. And you're going, what happened to God's call in my life? But I encourage you to get into his word. Because if you're not willing to deal with the conditions of your heart, you will hold yourself back from God's will in your life. You can actually stop his purpose and his will just because you don't want to submit your heart and your will. You don't want to go through the refining process. You hold back, you resist, and he just can't use you in the state that you're in. And you've got to let go and you've allow, got to allow him to bring his finger and to put it on areas of your heart and say, we're going to deal with this. Instead of pulling back, we step forward and we say, yes, sir. Show me what to do. And we get into his word and he leads us and he guides us. We can stop God's will for our life simply because we won't allow him to deal with the conditions of our heart. And, you know, I was even thinking about us as a family, and, you know, we, we've made plenty of mistakes along the way. But let me tell you, we've avoided a lot of mistakes too by simply doing what God's word says. So we've got to uh, begin to follow God's word. And the second thing I want to mention in this is we've got to begin to serve. That's B in your notes. Begin to serve. You may not know exactly what God has called you to, but you don't have to in order to start serving God. There are plenty of service opportunities in our church alone and many hundreds more outside of our church. You want to help out? You don't know what God's called you to? Come in and join the cleaning team and begin to help out. Come, come and, and begin teaching our children. Come and help out and serve as an usher, whatever it may be. It's amazing how many people say, well, no, that's just not my calling. Well, what is your calling? Well, I don't know. I'm seeking God. Begin to serve. Do something with your life. And I would say in this, make sure that you're willing to submit. Many people want to serve, but they want to serve as the boss. You want God to use you? Begin to be faithful. Jump in and begin to serve and begin to, uh, to, to submit and be faithful in these small things. That's what we're talking about, right? Starting small. Many people come in and they just can't understand Brand new person walking into the church and they just can't understand why nobody recognizes the call of God on their life and doesn't immediately promote them into a position. Jump in and start to do something. Jump in and start to serve, even if you don't know what to do. Be faithful. Prove yourself. Allow the Lord to mold you and let Him do the promoting in His time. If you're not sure what God wants you to do, serve. Clean, sing, teach kids, help at Hope House, be a Boy Scout leader, help with maintenance, go on a missions trip. I hear so many people say, well, I'm not called to missions. You're not called to go tell people about Jesus 
you're just going a little further. I'm not saying you're going to be a missionary. I think every Christian ought to go on at least one mission trip and see how the rest of the world lives. Become a part of a small group. Make it a goal to lead a small group. You will figure out what you love, by the way. You'll, begin, you'll see passion begin to well up in you as you begin to serve in different areas and try different things as you serve God. That's number one. It starts small. Number two, write down the vision. I didn't have this on my notes three days ago. My wife was mentioning to me, you know, it's really important you write down the vision. I was like, oh, that's true. Write down the vision. Throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, God commanded his people to write down the vision. He commanded them to write down certain things so it would be a reminder to them and to others later on. Any of you ever read the book Habakkuk? Or as others may say, Habakkuk. Whatever your preference. Not a book that many people delve into. It's only three chapters. It's, it's actually called the book of questions. And in, in, you find in the first chapter, you see that Habakkuk, as the prophet of the Lord, is asking God some questions. In chapter 2, God responds. And in chapter 3, he, he responds to God and, in thanking him in prayer. But we'll see in, um, in chapter 2, and in your, see in your notes, Habakkuk 2, verses 2 and 3, it said, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. I wrote, read this quote earlier in the week. I want to read to you. It says, There is something really powerful about, about writing down visions, dreams, and goals. The mind will understand and embrace what it sees. If you only think it in your mind, then that's where it will stay, in your mind. Once you write your goal down... It seems to take wings, and the fulfillment of it is sure to happen under the right circumstances at an appointed time. People and circumstances begin to gravitate toward you and help your vision become reality. Some of you may not understand why each year your boss has you write down the goals for the next year. Because successful businessmen have understood this biblical principle and realizes that it's very important. If we don't write down and decide where we're going, we're never going to get there. He said in Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, the people perish, right? Why do you think churches have mission statements and vision statements? As God begins to speak words to you, as he begins to give you dreams, as you see passion begin to rise up in you, begin to write these things down. You may have immediate goals. You may have short-term goals. You may have long-term goals. Write them down. Make them plain. Remember we talked about Jeremiah. Now God said, I called you before you were even born. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah went through a rough time, but he was able to look back on that promise and knew that he was in the right place and he was doing what he was supposed to be doing because he was accomplishing the vision that God gave him. Does that make sense? One day you may need to look back on what you wrote, determine maybe if you're on track or maybe even just for encouragement. Look back on what God said. Write down your dreams and visions. Put them in a place where you'll see them every day. Number three, be willing to take steps. I kind of jumped into this a minute ago for just a second there, but God may reveal his purpose to you, but most often I've found that God reveals things along the way. He reveals things in steps. As we're obedient and we do what he says, he shows us something else. As we complete one step, he shows us another. And even if God does show you the grand scheme, the plan, the dream, your purpose, in all likelihood, you're, you're going to take steps for your, your entire life accomplishing that dream, that purpose, that vision. Does that make sense? We tend to want things right now. And we don't like the steps along the way. 
Any of you, some of you may not like driving. And you've had to, maybe you had to drive long distances because you married into a family that lives out of state and you learn to enjoy the process. It's so funny because we've made so many trips to Houston from here and man, that can be a tedious 10 or 11 hour trip, especially when you've got little babies that are crying. My lands, Lord Jesus, help us. It's like, shut them up somehow, stuff a bottle, just leave it there, prop it up, do something. And, and they get older and and, and, you know, and you go through all these things and these long road trips, but it's so funny, the last several times we'd gone to Houston, we actually flew, and what did I find the kids doing? I want to drive. And it was like, wow. And I, I, and I had said something about it too, and I was like, goodness, I kind of miss it. We've got to get to the place where we enjoy the process and what God's doing right here, right now. We en- enjoy that. Um. And understanding, too, something else I thought about, sometimes the steps, especially early on, look nothing like the outcome. And that is okay. That is okay. You may find yourself serving within the church right now, and, and you feel that God's called you to this great thing, and, you, you, and you're sitting there going, man, I'm, I'm vacuuming the sanctuary. What does that have to do with the Take steps. Be content where God has placed you right here, right now. Be faithful. And serve. It got me thinking about King David. Can you imagine? I, I think of things a little more vividly than others sometimes. I was imagining the day that the prophet comes to the house of Jesse, right? And he's told, the next king of Israel is here. He's the son of Jesse. I want you to anoint him as king. And he goes in and tells Jesse, you know, oh, yes, sir. My, one of my sons is the next king. And he lines him up and he goes from one to the next to the next. And, and God says, nope, 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 nope. And gets to the end, right? Turns to Jesse and says, w- w- that's it? That's all your sons? And he goes, well, no, there's one, the one that keeps the sheep. Samuel says, well, go get them. And we actually don't know how far they had to go. We don't know how long that was. But back in those days, man, they, I mean, they went where there was food for the sheep. And sometimes they went way out. And, and the shepherds generally would even sleep with the sheep. They could be miles away. They go out and they get David and they bring him back, right? Can you imagine him walking back into the house, the prophet of the Lord? I mean, man. The prophets were honored in those days. I mean, they were, they were great men. And you imagine him walking in. I mean, he's probably got sheep poo on his shoe and stuff, you know. And, and, and God tells him immediately, that's him. And he gets a little basin, and he anoints him with oil. And David's going, what? What? He anoints him as the next king of Israel. Imagine when that's over with. And he's like, I'm the next king. And what's Jesse do? He looks at him and says, hey, get back out there to the sheep. Send the servant back. What? I'm the next king. Get back out there to the sheep. And he has to head back out there. And he has to take care of them. And he has to find the ones that are lost. And he has to protect them against lions and bears. And he's the next king of Israel. Talk about a vision being placed in somebody at a young age. Wow. And we don't know exactly how long he spent out there with those sheep. But he had to take on that lion and that bear. He had to learn something right where he was before he could take on the giant, before he could be a general in the army, before he could be the king of Israel. Taking care of the sheep looks nothing like being the king. Looks nothing like being the king, does it? Rarely will you ever find God revealing someone's purpose and then immediately fulfilling it. Generally, you have your life to fulfill the purpose. And I'll, I, something else I thought of. Many times, 
I would even say most often. You will spend years and years and years of your life helping to fulfill the vision that God gave someone else. But as you're faithful and as you do it, and the years go by, suddenly you've found yourself surrounded by people who are helping fulfill the vision that God gave you. We don't like that. (laughs) But the process, the way to get to promotion is to serve and be faithful. We've got to be willing to take steps. Lastly, number four, wowzers, is obey his leading. We're back to the obeying part. (laughs) We talked about his word. Talked about starting small and beginning to follow his word, but now we're talking about obeying his leading. And listen, as you continue along this process and you're seeking God, he promised that you will find him. And as you do this, as the time goes by and you obey, you'll find his voice coming more and more clearly. And as he refines you, he will entrust you with more and more responsibility. But let me say, if we're going to seek God's will, we've got to be willing to obey it. And that's where many people get hung up. Romans 12.1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. As God starts speaking to you, the Holy Spirit starts leading you, he may ask you to do something that feels awfully uncomfortable. And that's all right. Especially early on in this walk, I encourage you, as if the Lord leads you to do something that is out of the ordinary, I encourage you to seek confirmation. <laughs> Don't go out and just do something weird because you believe in one second that God said it. Seek Him. Make sure that it's right. Get some godly counsel, but be willing to obey, whatever it is, because you never know what He'll do. You know, it's got to thinking about, about Abraham. Abraham, you know, or it was Abram at the time. God speaks to Abram and says, I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave your country. I want you to go to the land I call you to. He says, I am going to bless all the families of the earth because of you. And you've got to think that I believe over 25 years went by before he began to see that fulfilled in his life. Before, I mean, and think about it. His wife was barren. His family's going to bless all the families of the earth? 25 years before she had her first child, that promise came. They already knew. God had already spoken it. They got a little reminder 25 years later when the angel came and said, your wife's going to conceive. What? They had to be reminded of the vision that God had laid out before them. Think about Nehemiah going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Had all kinds of obstacles in front of him. God put it on his heart. And he fasted and he was seeking God. And then the king actually brought it up to him. Why is your face downcast? Said the walls of our city, my people's city, is in shambles. And he sent him to go, right? And the funny thing is, after he finally, finally, after all the obstacles and he finishes the walls, God told him to now go get the rest of the people and to fill the walls. Another step was revealed along the way. You think about Esther. Another way that God speaks is through another person. She was obedient to God through Mordecai. He stepped out and did what the Lord wanted her to do, even putting her life on the line. And I was going to talk briefly about dissatisfaction. You know, life may be going great, but you just may not feel fulfillment. You may feel like, isn't there something more? We've probably all been at that place before. 
And sometimes that can be God speaking and wanting to try and point you in a different direction and say, look, what you're doing is good, but here's where I want you. You veered off a little to the left, and you find yourself just not satisfied, not fulfilled. And I, I, that made me think about when Sean and I left to move back here, move back to Memphis. I, you know, it's funny, we had just gone through all this stuff up in, up in Illinois, and, and I finally came to a place, I, I, I even was basically offered another job in a better church, a big church with a big budget, and I was like, yes, and I clearly felt like I wasn't supposed to take it, but I was having a rough time where I was up in Illinois, and I finally submitted to God, and I jumped into what I was supposed to do with both feet, really for the first time. And it was amazing. We'd been the youth pastors there for three years or so, and, and all of a sudden the youth group had never gotten, gotten above 30, 35 kids. All of a sudden, I mean, within weeks, we were averaging in the 70s, just like that. It was amazing. And I got what the Lord was trying to tell me. And about three months went by before I remember so clearly walking in the front doors of the church on a Sunday morning for the service, and I knew immediately I wasn't where I was supposed to be. And I was like, are you kidding? Things are going so well. What? And I walked in, it was like I was visiting somebody else's church. It was weird. I, I was not home anymore. It was in one second, I knew I wasn't where I was supposed to be. It was the wildest thing. Sometimes that weird unsettledness, that dissatisfaction is God saying, it's time to go a different direction. We've got to wrap up. Whatever it is in our lives, we have to be sensitive to God and obey his leading. He will always call you to something that is beyond your ability. If you can figure out what he's called you to do and you have this plan laid out in front of you to accomplish God's dream for your life, <laughs> then you've probably just scratched the surface. It's time to dig in a little further because God is going to always call you to do something that's bigger than yourself. Why? Because you have to rely on him. If we can do it ourselves, then it's not him, it's us. It's time to step out and allow God to use us. I'm going to, whoa, I'm going to end by... Um, Putting on, showing a video again, like I've done the last couple of weeks. I found another good one that I, I wanted to show. As I show this video, um, I, I'm going to ask during the video that our prayer partners come forward, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as well. But I, I want you guys to look at this, and I want you to think about where you're at in your life and what it is that God is calling you to do. I want you to think about the decisions that need to be made and, uh, and, and what he has next. Amen? For some of us, it may be time to go on into a new season in life. It may be that you have resisted, you've gotten busy, but you know God is moving you into a, a new season in life. For some of you, it may be time for you to seek God for the first time and to actually trust Him with your future. Tough thing to do, but it's an act of surrender. You just say, Lord, I trust you. Lead me. And just to begin seeking him with all your heart. I would ask today the same question I asked last week. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Most important question you could ever ask in your life. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? If your life is surrendered to him, and if he is truly Lord, then you're seeking after him. Then you have the desire to please him then you want his way and not your own if you've made him lord of your life then you're willing to listen 
when he puts a finger on a spot in your heart and says, we've got to work on this. If you've made him Lord of your life, when he says, it's time for you to go, you're going to say, yes, sir. I'm ready to go. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, if you haven't surrendered, I want to take just a minute and give you that opportunity. The Bible says if you give your life to him and you make him Lord, then he makes you a brand new creation. The old has passed away and all things become new. It is your first step toward finding God's will for your life. With every head bowed, if that's you, and you would say, you know what? I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. You may say, I've prayed that prayer before, but he's not Lord. He's not. I'm Lord. But I want to give that up today. Or you may say, you know, I, I've never really truly done it. I've never stopped and surrendered and said, God, I give my life to you today. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. I'm going to listen for your voice. I'm going to study your word. You're in either of those places. And you would say, you know what, I've got to surrender today. Every head bowed, lift your hand to me right quick and let me see. Don't be ashamed, be bold. Say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. Amen. Who else? I see your hand. Who else would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today? Amen. Anybody else? Look, even if you didn't raise your hand, all right. You can still pray. You can still be made that new creation. But I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to come down at the end of service. I'm going to ask you to tell somebody the decision you made. Not be ashamed, but allow them to pray for you and to give you some direction. We're all going to pray together. The Bible says if you say these words and you mean it with all of your heart, if you truly surrender, that you become his. You no longer belong to the enemy or to the world. You belong to him. He grafts you into his family and makes you his very own. You become heirs of his promises. Let's all pray this together. Say, dear God, I am sorry. I'm sorry for living my life the way I want to live it. I'm sorry for thinking I know what's best. I'm sorry for all the things that I've put ahead of you. Today, I surrender. I give up. Today, I call you my Lord. I believe, Jesus, that you came. You came into this earth as a man, and you gave your life. You gave it for me. And on that third day, you rose again, and now you are seated at the right hand of the Father. I give my life to you today. I ask you to lead my life. I give up my dreams. I give up my desires, and I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to do everything that you've called me to do. I will follow you from this day forward to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.